Hello and welcome to the Race FM podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia, and today uh, we're going kind of back to the traditional format of just me talking <laughs> about the EG and build progress because we have a lot of updates since the last time. I want to give a shout out to all the people who have been coming on the Race FF podcast. And, you know, <laughs> Adam told me from Slip Angle, he told me one of the biggest uh, things he could give me in terms of like guidance or like tips or whatever. Try not to make your podcast all about interviews because then people begin to expect interviews all the time. And I. <laughs> I didn't follow that advice um, as well as I should have, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, I still feel like, you know, most of the people are following the build progress, are kind of interested on that. And uh, the the people who have had to interview, they've been awesome. I, I learned so much, and I'm so excited to have some of the other people that I was scheduling on. Don't want to drop too many hints, but... There's some really interesting people, and hopefully it works out, and if it's not, you know, we'll continue to talk about slow front-wheel drive stuff. <laughs> so, I am not coming to you from the Race FF Studios, which is the EG Civic, because the EG Civic is in Vancouver, Washington. So, for those of you who haven't been following up, uh, the EG is getting its um, safety done. So, the roll cage. The roll cage and the seat. So, there was a couple things that I wanted to get done before I had the car out to Eli. And one of them was obviously take out the sound deadening. And kind of what I found that was probably the best um, way to remove sound deadening was using dry ice, which sure everybody knows, but if you use isopropyl alcohol on it and pour it in, and so what you do is you like smash up the dry ice, you know, put it in a plastic bag and just hit it against the concrete so that it gets like really, really small. And then what you do is you put it in a bucket and make like kind of a slurry with alcohol and you pour that onto your sound deadening dude it like i don't know what it is or what the process is it looks super cool because uh, it's got all that like smokiness into it and the thing is it um like it penetrates the sound deadening just way better and of course with all the COVID stuff it cleans it up I mean uh, 100% alcohol so the EG going up to my buddy Eli is uh, COVID free for sure I mean it smells like a doctor's office <laughs> after I was done um, doing the sound deadening and then I was just using like a regular like little chisel and whatnot and just slightly tapping and big old chunks came out so I was really stoked about that um, definitely taking sound deadening off without that really sucks as my phone just fell. Yeah. Oops. So, yeah, um, that plus I needed to fix a bit of an issue with the, um, so like Eli does a lot of fabrication with exhaust so as most of you guys that do follow this podcast know that the EG is pretty stock and when I got the car dynoed where it made the whopping 111 <laughs> horsepower to the wheels it was with the stock intake and just the DC 4 into 1 headers the uh, ceramic coated ones so I, I was really happy with those numbers uh, 111 and then 100 foot pounds of torque which I was pretty surprised at I mean 
it was 99.99 uh, wheel torque or torque wheel horsepower or whatever. Um, but I, I was I was really happy with that, and that's you know shout out to Cole from Bad Guys for building me a decent block. It is all within rules wise, so I, I was happy with that. But to be kind of closer to the rules in terms of the limit, the ideal horsepower gain or horsepower that I want to be at is about 120 wheel. So I ended up getting the AM intake, the like fancy dual chamber one that's carb legal. So my car still passes smog. <laughs> It still has a cat, so I'll be probably the only Honda Challenge guy out there with, like, a cat. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, and I ended up uh, going off of uh, Facebook Marketplace and looking for an exhaust. And, of course, used exhaust. Um, me being cheap. Um, I'm going to get, like, something really budget-oriented and... I ended up finding a Yonaka exhaust. And the thing is, like, I know if I was to choose, like, the ideal exhaust that I would want for the EG, it'd probably be, like, an NVIDIA Q300 because I, I don't like having such a loud exhaust. Like, I, I don't, like, I get a... Hondas sound like shit with the just like a gigantic exhaust on them, and and I I'm not about that. I like my cars to be kind of subtle, and out of all the like hundreds and hundreds of YouTube clips of like exhaust out there, the Yonaka one sounded like decent. Like I ended up um kind of liking the way that it sounded, and it's probably because the freaking muffler in the back is huge so i i think comparatively to all the other ones i like how the yonaka um catback exhaust sounds where it's like a little bit throatier but not like too high and raspy you know like the farcan exhaust it pretty much is is the biggest crying shame of like Hondas and whatnot because of just having a shitty high tone for that or just being raspy and like high I, I, I just really hate that but because it is a Yonaka exhaust the fitment is I'd probably say 6 out of 10 a high like a, a really low 6 a high 5 out of 10 I mean, it fits, sort of. Um, it hangs way too low for my liking. And so, like, the back part... And I, I got it from another guy from the Facebook Marketplace. He, nice enough guy. Everything's cool. Like, he gave me pretty much all the hardware. I was missing one exhaust um, gasket. But to be fair, he was using the... So, like with EGs and I, I think it's with Integras or whatever the rear flange is either like a three bolt style flange or it's like a two bolt style flange so on aftermarket exhaust so I mean I guess it whichever one of those kind of lines up um, but for my setup because I still have the cat it goes from the two to, I think, the three in the back? I forget. Yeah, it's the three in the back, and then it goes into the two uh, gasket one right before the muffler where it's like that big old bend um, for the lower control arm. So, anyways. So, the fitment was good for the muffler. Muffler part, awesome. Uh, fitment from the um, cat back great only problem was the S the little S part it just hits the body of the chassis so 
because of that it can't sit flush into the like recess of the um of the body where the little channel for the exhaust to go through and the yonaka i, I forgot to mention it's a two and a half inch but the inner diameter is probably like two and a quarter or something like that from what i saw um what else like I'm sorry, but I, I know people really like those big muffler tips, but God, man, it just looks like shit. <laughs> just a giant, like, softball receptacle. It's just it's just too big. It's like, come on, bro. Like, this isn't a Supra with, like, a 2JC pushing, like, gobs of horsepower. Like, this, this is a fucking little Civic, man. Like, that exhaust tip is it seems like it's a four inch exhaust tip that sticks out by like maybe four or five inches outside of the bumper so i i asked eli to go ahead and just lob that thing off if he had like some sort of muffler tip that didn't look like shit or even a turn down i'd be down for a turn down um my car doesn't smoke so <laughs> i don't have to worry about the dirty back bumper that most people have so yeah um that that was the catback install and like i mean for the price that i paid I, I can't really complain too much about it i mean it was like 260 for something like a catback i mean most of them are like running 500 bucks and that sounds so expensive but I think at that point, uh, my buddy John Lindemann was telling me he could just go to like a muffler shop and just have them build you like a custom catback exhaust and just tell them what you want. I think I would probably recommend um, somebody upgrading to like a two and a half inch from the cat back and just put a big muffler on it so it's not too loud. But yeah. Uh, sorry thirsty um that's that's what i would recommend because like spending 500 dollars on a car that old and for an exhaust i'm like it's, it's kind of hard to really like uh, unless you want to be styling like i i just don't see the real gains out of it like I, i'm hoping that with the with that like fancy dual chamber uh am intake plus the cat back that maybe maybe i can get a combined nine wheel horsepower will it i don't know if it does freaking awesome if it doesn't oh well like it's not the end of the world and i i think that's more than a realistic goal in mind so i will i will have to uh get the car dynode and probably like a dynode tune to make sure that the air fuel ratios are are good right now i can only tune with a fuel pressure regulator per the honda challenge h4 rules but because the car is going to be running in tt6 essentially what's going to happen is the the eg is not going to be optimized for honda challenge and it's not going to be fully optimized for um, TT6 because it's going to be going in between those two um, with Caroline running time trials and me running a Honda Challenge. So it's kind of like a compromise, but I think, especially after talking to like Graham Downey, we the biggest the biggest like negatives, if you will, would be. Um, the fact that I can't run a rear wing and if I'm not running a rear wing I'm not sure if I really feel comfortable putting a splitter on the front end because then aerodynamically the car would be unbalanced so I'm like uh maybe I'll, I'll be double checking the rule sets uh for Honda Challenge but I might just end up doing like a garden lip uh air dam deal up on front if that's allowed I'll, I'll have to double check but for now um i think that's probably all i can do and um all of this is like 
Well, I have a lot of stuff to actually get done before the October um, Button Willow uh, Honda Challenge uh, race. So, kind of like the spread between the two uh, classes is based on the current mods. And this is the thing that I kind of love about the way Honda has it, or NASA has their Honda Challenge and time trials is that you can go ahead and just like look up their rule set and obviously other organizations have a rule set um like this and uh nasa's time trial kind of like sets you up with what are your horsepower based on your weight and mod factors and it calculates it out for you so for honda challenge and i'm gonna be on the lighter side of the competition and to give you an idea of how much weight I can go down to it's double checking the rule set here for EX SI single overhead cam from 92 95 civics minimum weight with all the safety with the driver is 2200 pounds so to give you an idea Carlos in his CRX is at 21 2150 Yes, because he's an SI from 88 to 91. So I can run, I'll be running 50 pounds heavier than him. But in order to line up for um, TT, I actually minimum weight would be about 2250. So NASA has this uh, fun little calculator where it says like re uh, recommended uh, minimum weight with driver and it'd be uh, 2233 and that would give me the max horsepower of 120.97 so like 121 so essentially I can get the car as low as uh, 2233 and still if I make that horsepower which Again, that's going to be, like, really hard to hit, I think. Um, that that should um, that should be competitive enough, I think. So, um, with that said... Ah, stuff's falling. Sorry, guys. Ah. So, with that said, what are the mods that I need to get done uh, for the event? And the event, you know, the event's coming up a lot sooner than I wanted it to. Um, and originally my plan was to take the car up to Washington um, and fly back. And then when the car was ready, I'd grab a flight out of like Burbank or whatever and then fly up to Vancouver, Washington. So it's basically Portland, Oregon, and then just cross the bridge. Um but my buddy Eli is a business owner and a fabricator, so he has his own work schedule and whatnot, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I give him every opportunity he has to make sure he's not feeling, like, super swamped. Because even though, like, we're in COVID and there's a lot of people who are really struggling, uh, apparently he's been telling me his orders are through the roof, like, he is struggling to maintain with orders and Eli sells um, like custom co uh, custom struts and um, like strut bars, not struts that's in shocks and whatnot. But he sells those and uh, catbacks for like Kias and Hyundais and apparently the Kias and Hyundai people are out there buying all of Eli's catback exhaust like Apparently, I think he was telling me it was the Kia Forte GT. It's his biggest seller. And I'm like, bro, I've not even seen one of those things out there. I don't even know what they look like. So, yeah. So, uh, the opportunity came up where Eli's bringing his uh, Kia Rio Spec B, Spec like B Racer. Um, it's like a class that used to be part of like a Pirelli World Challenge and then they like cut it off because I guess it wasn't as popular as people wanted. 
Um, and he was going to be dropping off the car in SoCal because apparently racists up in Washington and Portland, like, they're just way too expensive. I think he was telling me, like, for $400 for one day at, like, Portland International Raceway or something like that. And I'm like, damn, that's... Again, guys, here in SoCal, we are so spoiled. I mean, we have... If you really are itching for a, a track day, I've seen so many cheap track days with our... What is it? Like, at Willows, uh, Streets of Willows, or... Even, you know, uh, it's so underutilized, and I really like this track um, because it reminds me so much of, like, a, a canyon road, is um, Horse Thief Mile. It's such a fun, like, like no-pressure uh, track to me because it feels like a, like a, like a canyon drive, and the elevation change is like, holy crap, it's dope. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you get it wrong... <laughs> there's been people that flip their shit so it's easy to get it wrong there it's like any other road and any other racetrack you can you can go sideways and end up hurting yourself but those those track days are super cheap super cheap something like sub a hundred dollars for one day so because of that eli um was going to be bringing his car he has a friend of his who uh I think it's like an old shop mentor or something that um, he's going to be storing the car um, here for. And the great thing about it is that his residence <laughs> is Washington. So he doesn't have to deal with any of the California um, regulations, even though his car, I think, would pass California smog. And like the cool thing is he's got Washington plates and he'll just like arrive and drive to the track because the Kia Rio still gets like 30 miles to the gallon. And if he gets stopped, he's like, no, I live there. I'm just visiting for a racetrack event instead of like the people who buy JDM cars and then have like out of state plates but live here in, you know, SoCal. All his shit is Washington. So he's like legit, like super legit. So because of that, he was going to be my idea of taking it up in the 4th, 4th of July weekend just didn't didn't line up. Um, and he was going to be bringing his car down, so he was going to have an empty trailer driving back. So instead of me having to drive the EG all rickety up there, because I had to loosen the dash enough to have it ready to be pulled and then have that set up for him when when he um <clears throat> excuse me guys um when he was going to be building the cage um this ended up being a lot less impactful for me in terms of the drive so i am still planning <laughs> on driving the eg back from Washington. I know so many people have been telling me, dude, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And I probably am. <laughs> but so the way I've broken it down is that on the drive back, because I bought the uh, AAA uh, premium one with the 200 mile tow. So it's, I think. 900 miles <laughs> as I'm saying this it sounds so ridiculous 900 miles uh, from Vancouver, Washington to Santa Clarita where I live and essentially with that 200 miles I have a safety zone of like 200 miles at the beginning of the of the run that I can you know uh, make it back to Eli's and then, like, hopefully be safe and not be stranded in the middle of nowhere. Um, or um, 200 miles away from my house where if the car breaks down, then I can, uh, you know, safely uh, get it towed home. So in reality, there's uh, a dead zone <laughs> 
or, or, or like I'm 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 fucked so <laughs> of uh essentially 500 miles where the EG needs to hold itself together. But, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in the car um, because so much stuff has been done to it that it's it should be good. <laughs> I mean, like, look, so the car's got a new fuel pump, new fuel pressure, um, new fuel filter, and all of the injectors have been um, gone through by uh, RC Engineering. So the fuel system is running. Good, perfect, bam. Um, the, the distributor is kind of like a questionable point. I don't know. But the alternator, because it's got that continental belt, Shout out to uh, Ryan Eversley and congrats to him on uh, doing NASCAR stuff. That's freaking awesome. Love it. Um, the Continental Belt, you know, it's been it's been hanging in there. It's like no problems. But then again, it was also an issue of me using the wrong alternator because it's like uh, I guess there were two different types: the Denso and the Mitsubishi one, and I was using the Mitsu the Denso one, which apparently has like two, two teeth versus the three teeth one. So, anyways, so the alternator that that should keep me going. I have my little Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> so I can listen to podcasts when I'm driving back. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna download like one of Dan Carlin's uh, hardcore histories and then just be listening to, you know. Um, I, I would say I would be listening to um, 91 Octane and um, Unaccepted Pod but to be honest I, I don't let those um, I don't let those get old at all like I listen to them every day um, that they come out so yeah I'm, I'm super <laughs> on top of it so shout out guys um, and yeah, that that's gonna. Um, John from Ninety One Octane has been telling me that I need to document it, so I I might do like a little vlog. I don't know. I I kind of suck at that, so I'll I'll bug my buddy Calvin, uh, Calvin from uh, Calvin Ariola on YouTube. He does really cool content, so I I would recommend you guys go ahead and uh, watch his videos. I've come out a couple times on there, so. Yeah, guys, go ahead and follow him and subscribe. He's He's got some good content out there. He's always, like, doing dope stuff. And so that's going to be an interesting, um, an interesting uh, setup because it's going to be either in another three, three weeks, I guess, from when you guys hear this, that I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, pick up the EG so that's gonna be fun I'll, I'll fly out there and um, and pick that car up and then drive it back um, the distributor being a questionable point I mean I took the whole thing apart used orange Loctite on it and torqued everything back on there I looked at the carbon brushes they still have a lot of meat on there and it still holds at about 13.5 volts. Um, so it's good. I got a co new uh, Costco battery in it. Uh, so that that part's going to be good. Transmission, I just did a fluids. Oh, so fluids. Um, so originally I've been using um, Honda manual transmission fluid. And I've been switching it out maybe every other event. Because the car gets um, double duty. Excuse me. <clears throat> so the car gets double duty. Because I take it out and then Caroline takes it out. But after talking to my buddy John. Um, who had a corner speed tuning. Who's my biggest mentor. Um, he brought up the point that. You know these transmissions are old. I mean, they're 
30 years old now. Um, and you need to give them as much uh, opportunity to deal with the heat of being out on the track. Um, every opportunity that you can to kind of help deal with that issue. So taking a page out of the Subaru book, um, he recommended I make a mixture for the transmission fluid called uh, Smurf's blood. And yes, I said Smurf's like the Papa Smurf kind of deal. So according to what he's told me, um, a lot of like the Subi guys would run this concoction called Smurf's blood. And it would be a combination of like, I think it's like General Motors, uh, like anti, um, um, like impact uh, thing. I, I don't know. It was weird. So essentially the, the makeup of this thing is that it comes out really thick. And the idea is that it has a greater tolerance for heat. So maybe instead of changing it every other event, I can go like maybe a, a, um, changing the transmission fluid. Maybe I don't know. Depending on how how much uh, seat time and track uh, the EG is getting, maybe I can increase those uh, intervals. I don't know how many, um, but I knew that definitely it's gonna get pricey to keep on changing fluids every event. I mean, it would be nice to do that every event but I also want to make sure that I give that transmission as much um, opportunity as I can to last long because D-series transmission stuff it's um, it's rare and you know there's not a lot of OEM parts left and as lucky as we are to have uh, aftermarket manufacturers that build uh, stuff for it like if you could keep it stock OEM stuff that's really where it's at so um, I'm going to try and make it uh, live as long as possible and I'll probably be going to junkyard and getting the spare one and having that one built up for um, that 4.9 final drive and LSD that I really want to do for the uh, EG but that's a future problem future uh, project slash problem I hope and so the the EG's got fresh fluid in the transmission and it's um, oh the recipe for Smurf's blood so what it is is four bottles one bottle or one quart of uh, it's a red line anti-shock fluid so it's like this uh blue fluid and then um the other one is uh multiple gear uh transmission fluid so one quart of the red line stuff and then three quarts of the um multiple so you mix all that up um and then that gives you the perfect ratio and ooh, and according to what John was telling me is that with that setup on his old um, Integra that he was running, um, they ran that thing with that setup for a year without switching out the oil. And the car handled really well. And I mean, he was pushing the car. That car was getting good amount of seat time. I mean, what was it at? Like... I think he said he he did like a 207 with a GSR and it's not like crazy built or whatever. It, it was like nice, but not like stupid built and still pretty heavy because he had like a full six point in it. So it was like an auto power uh, bolt in one, but still like that's so ah, I hit the blinds next to me. Um, but still like that's a pretty quick um, lap time for a car that's kind of heavy and I think with him in it it weighed like 2600 pounds or something like that so if he was able to make the transmission fluid last that long obviously I might be pushing it a lot harder than he is um, 
going out and doing more sessions and more intense sessions than he is um, with Honda Challenge. But if I could extend that, I think that it would uh, yield good savings and then increase the longevity of the transmission. So I also changed the oil before um, it was going, and I'm on the EG. I'm using uh, Valvoline VR1 because Valvoline sponsors dinners with racers and Ryan Eversley. So because of that, you know, support the people that support uh, the stuff that you like. So because of that, go Valvoline. <laughs> My mouth is dry. Sorry, guys. Uh, so build list there's a couple things that need to happen with the EG to get it ready to race obviously one of them is the roll cage but just as important uh, for the roll cage is the seat so what do I have as the seat is a Cobra Halo seat. So the problem with the Cobra Halo seat that I have is that it's really big up top. So up top, like this thing has very little room. And since the car is going to be shared with Caroline and me, Caroline's shorter than I am. Her legs are shorter. So she needs to slide the seat forward. So we have a really tall seat on the stock slider uh, side mounts and because of the way that the seat is you can't even go to the lowest setting because then it hits where the bolts mount up so there's like no way to bolt it on from where the maximum low uh, like lowest setting for that seat would be so already it's kind of like ugh, we're too high up like on the rear I think of the seat it's like on the second to lowest hull from the side mounts and on the front I think it's on the second um, from the highest like it's like on number two I, I think or number three I forget um, from starting from like one being the lowest and four being the highest so I think it's like on number two or three on the front so it's got a little bit of a gangster lane and that's about as low <laughs> as I can get that thing. And we have that. We have the sliders. And then, of course, we need an adapter plate. And we tried to get an adapter plate that would work. And so far, the only one that seemed to work with also, like, the holes lining up for a Cobra was planted. And this isn't a dig on them. I mean, like, the seat is big up top and the EGs were not they just didn't have that kind of room for a halo seat and you know it, it it is what it is and it just didn't fit so all of those things put together they didn't fit so I took the planted rail put it on there and just tried to see if I could slide the seat in a position maybe move it a little bit to the right and I'll be honest, guys, it just didn't fit. So Eli is making um, the seat uh, all the way down to the floor of the cards. So he's welding in plates and a little spot for for the seat to bolt onto. So it's going to be sitting on a uh, custom, like he's he's mounted it basically down to the floor almost. And even then it's still mm -hmm. like, whoo, it's still kind of high. He just sent me some pictures today. I'll post up like the clearances. It is tight. I was surprised the door still closed with the amount that the halo kind of like wraps around. So maybe in the future, um... I might downgrade to something without a halo since we'll be using uh, neck protectors like the Simpson Hybrid. I'll be using that because I have that and Caroline will have her own because um, I'm, I'm chunky and <laughs> it mine doesn't fit her that well so 
yeah, she's going to have to get her own um, hybrid neck protector. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, one of the big things that I we've needed to address with the safety of the vehicle is getting the seat in there. The next is harnesses. Now, everybody has different opinions on harnesses. And honestly, guys, uh, Eli hooked it up a while ago with some expired ones from Racetech. And I've gotten in different cars and I've used a Racetech harness and I just really like Racetech stuff. And um, the harness that I got from Eli is a six point. So two from the crotch, two from the side, and two up top. And the reason I like Racetech's one was because of the side ones. So the crotch and the lap belt, um, so it's the two that come from the side. Those are super easy to adjust. It has like this like weird um, kind of like almost like, how, how can I explain it? Uh, I call it like a cam lock almost, where it's like you lift a little flap and then it allows you to pull the straps out. Um, and I've just used different ones and it is a nightmare to do that kind of like double loop kind of thing with like the weird like eye bolt or whatever it is, the eye beam style, um, like adjuster. It's just a nightmare to use those. And given that the car is going to be switching between me and Caroline, I just want something that we're going to fight with a the least amount and given that it's a halo seat we don't have to have the passenger side um like window net so that's a huge thing like i'm i'm really happy about that um so in terms of like harnesses we went out and we already ordered it and it should be on the way if not already at Eli's um, house um, to be installed into the EG because remember I have to drive it back I can't use the stock seat no more so I'm gonna have to drive back on a on a halo seat and the the one that I got from uh, Cobra if you guys are familiar with them um, it's the one with the holes on the side so you can look out um, Sparkle makes a really cool one where it's like they bolt in and that one's really cool but I don't know call me elitist or whatever but I kind of like the Cobra seats a little bit more maybe it's because they're used um, a lot in uh, BTCC but I, I really like those so we've got the seats the harnesses the roll cage, all of those things coming together. Next is um, going to be the window net. And honestly, I have no idea what we're going to be running for a window net. I do like the little uh, belt clip, um, the seatbelt clip style ones that are out there that, where they use like a GM metal type um, of clip. But in my experience, those things are a nightmare to get to line up because it has to be fully tensioned when it's um when it's um mounted up so like sometimes it doesn't click so you're just like pushing on there and it's like ah oh, it's a nightmare so i i, I really want to get something that's going to be easy for me to you know get in and out and have like you know caroline go through the because look Anything that you can make yourself, um, how can you say, anything that you can do to make your life easier out on the track, you should try and do it because there's nothing more annoying than the little things when you're out on track. This, it's all the little things that like frustrate you and put you in a different headspace that you need to be when you're going out. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend people do is try and figure out 
like whatever is going to make things easier. So I don't know what type of um, neck or window net I'll be installing. I might even go for this one that uh, my buddy Carlos has been rec recommending. It's like an IMSA one that has like a really fancy like connector thing. But it's expensive as hell. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Aside from that, I also need to wire up a battery disconnect. I need to take out the steering wheel lock. You know, when you turn your wheel with the with the keys out or whatever, and it locks into position, you need to take that shit out for racing. And then uh, another big key component that I've been kind of like dreading is for wheel to wheel, man, there's just no way around it. I have to take the AC out. There's just like, it makes no, after talking to Tom Polly, after talking to a lot of the guys out there, a full-size radiator is just going to keep the car safe for me to chase somebody and be in their draft for, for a lot longer than that half-size one that I have. Ideally, I would like to get a full-size fluidine one because fluidine is pretty dope but given all of the stuff in the budget this has to happen by october uh it's looking like i might just go with like a koyo which is gonna be fine it's still gonna be a full-size one i already ordered the asr um little like feet adapter for the radiator so when that comes back uh, i'll be installing a full-size Integra radiator to the EG and getting rid of the AC system, which I'm bummed about. Because it works! Sort of. Kind of like tensioner keeps falling. So, so, so That's a bit of a nightmare. But I'm bummed. I'm bummed that I won't have AC in my wheel-to-wheel -wheel race car. Ah. Oh, man. So, another interesting thing that uh, kind of came up was, so I had, <laughs> I had gone to Lowe's and bought like a sheet of what I thought was aluminum, but it ended up being galvanized steel, um, just to make a sunroof plug. Like, I, and dude, like Eric Cattell has one that's like that based on the pictures that I've seen, where it's just like a sheet and he riveted it. He. It looks like it's uh, riveted on, and then bam, just done. It looks ugly, fine, whatever. Like, I was going to go for it, but so many of my friends were just talking shit. So I reached out to my buddy um, Bruno Gallardo from Gallardo uh, Garage, and he is somebody who I've been working with um, on uh, carbon fiber... Uh, brake ducts for the 2009 to 2011 uh, Civic SI four-door sedan and I told them hey man like could you make me just a carbon fiber sunroof plug because I, I didn't want to pay for the Narita dogfight one because that one's like really expensive and it was also like trying to figure out like how to get things uh set up and so he built me one and i mean shout out to bruno he built me a really strong like really strong <laughs> carbon fiber uh sunroof plug like i don't think the the metal on the roof is as strong as the freaking um sunroof plug that he put me in he his fitments were tight like, it was a motherfucker to get this thing in there. It dealt with a lot of dremeling and a lot of, like, just massaging it. Because he's like, oh, man, I don't want it to make it weak. So I think he did, like, three layers up on top and, like, seven layers up on the sides so that I could mount and bolt uh, something to it. And, I mean, he knocked it out of the park with the, with the setup. Um, he took basically the glass from the sunroof and just, like copied that over so because of that you know the rubber gasket that goes around the edges the that that thing is meant to sit super flush but now he put really strong carbon fiber into it 
and that thing like barely fit like i had less than a millimeter of uh clearance between the sunroof like edges where where the cavity is and the actual sunroof plug so it, it required a lot of massaging and that's not a negative hit to him he i mean he had, he did something that was really hard and he didn't have the car over there to like check fitment or figure out like how much uh degrees of freedom he had there and i mean i think uh, i'm not sure but i think the narita dogfight one is like only a sheet of carbon fiber which i mean not not talking smack or anything like that their design is pretty cool um and obviously when it hit theirs probably goes in way easier than our setup so yeah i i think we weighed ours and it was uh three pounds so the sunroof assembly i think it's like 35 pounds or something like that so it was three pounds but he had like a four inch lip or something in the on the outside of it so like where it drapes down it was like almost a four inch lip so i i dremeled it and then when we got in there we had to dremel it even more so we probably knocked down like another pound and a half of weight so it probably is like down to like maybe two or just under two pounds i can't imagine it being anything over two pounds based on the amount that we dremeled off so quite a significant uh, amount of weight savings so now that we're on weight savings the car weighed with me in it 25 25 around there so i'm like about 215 ish around there so that means that the eg was probably like around 23 15 or something 20 23 uh 10 and I took out all the interior sound ending. That was probably like eh, maybe 15 pounds right there. Another 35 for the sunroof. Uh, passenger seat. I'm still on the fence whether or not I'm going to have that in there or not. I'm probably going to keep the passenger seat in the EG. Um, just in case like I, I, I want like you know, instruction or right seat instruction or something like that. I might have to upgrade to like another Cobra seat or something like that. Something that's not going to have sliders. So it's just like a passenger. Um, but that will be kind of like in the future. So that, that was... I think the seats are probably like 35 pounds because the integral seats are not heavy, but it's still weight. <clears throat> it's still weight. So I probably knocked out like 150 pounds out of the car just with the rear seat, um, the rear seat belts, a bunch of the stuff that was in there, sound deadening, all this other junk in there. And the, and the EG was the SI, so it had speakers in the back, speakers in the front. We took the door cards out just to make sure we had flush fitment. Um, not going to be gutting the doors and doing like the NASCAR style bars where they go out to the door skin and the, just leave with a loose skin because I still need to drive the car to and back. So my goal is to still be able to roll windows up. So that's added weight. Um, so I don't know. Maybe in the future I'll, I might figure out how to get those extended and maybe do that i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there um yeah that's um that's pretty much it with um weight reduction i, I don't know if i've gotten anything heavier than that out i think really it's only dropped by 150 pounds and i'm sure we're going to be gaining more than 150 pounds from a full competition cage that's going to be like wheel to wheel legal so i think we probably got it down to i don't know maybe if it was 23 10 another 150 
pounds there, maybe down to 21, 21.70 or 21.60 maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Um, plus taking the AC system out, I, I don't know if that thing is even worth like 15 pounds of weight up on front. But we'll see. So, yeah, I think that's about as light as the EG is going to get. Um, I can't do carbon fiber other pieces because it's, like, not legal for the class that I'm running. But And I'm also not going to be doing any arrow stuff. So the weight of a splitter and all of those things and the wings, because they all do weigh stuff. Like, obviously, a carbon fiber wing isn't going to weigh that much. But, yeah, that's still going to be weight. And I'm going to be adding a fire suppression system. I think it's Lifeline that makes them. I'm not sure how much that's going to weigh, but I think it's negligible, to be honest. And then the safety net of having a fire suppression system in there, because Caroline's going to be in it, so I need to make sure that I have a safe car for her and me. And I think that that's pretty much all I have in terms of things that I need to get done for the race, it's really going to be the coil radiator, fire suppression, remote, um, like battery kill switch, um, window net, um, taking the steering wheel lock off, which shouldn't be too hard. I'll, I'll, Google that and figure it out. But that's kind of where the car is right now. I'm not going to be running on fresh tires. And I don't have a giant ego like uh, Steve Stepanian was uh, talking about. So um, I know I'm going to get my hands handed to me. Hopefully somebody has a little bit less reliable car than I can. And maybe I can win that way. Um, and by win, I mean like not be dead last. <laughs> But, you know, this is something that I've uh, always, like, since the start, I've dreamt of uh, doing wheel-to-wheel, -wheel, and I'm so excited to have the opportunity, have the economic opportunity to go ahead and do that. So, with that, guys, this is the episode, and I'll be giving you guys more heads up of uh, stuff coming up. There's more guests coming up. Um, and, yeah, um... I'm really excited for what this next wheel-to-wheel uh, -wheel series is going to be. Um, Caroline has a huge... Um, I mean, she's she's got uh, a huge um, kind of shoes to fill um, in TT once I'm out. Because she's going to have to take on Debbie. And freaking Debbie's getting faster. <laughs> It's going to be hard to um, catch Debbie because she's she's stepping it up. And I think she doesn't want to lose to the EG. So, I mean, that, that car is uh, quick on the straights. It's definitely got way more motor. So, after we get all this stuff done, um, the next big thing for the EG is going to be getting the final drive in LSD. And I think maybe at Big Willow it won't be as big of a difference but at streets or not streets we don't run streets um but at button willow it, it would make a big difference and i think seeing when that new racetrack over at button willow is going to come out it's going to be interesting because i think the eg is really well suited for that and with that guys that is the episode Make sure to share, like, and subscribe if you enjoyed this content. And uh, I will see you next Monday.